My name is Ron Cool, and I am one of the pastors here. And again, it's a, a joy to welcome all of you here, especially if you're here for the first time. We're going to finish up on Abraham uh, today. We've been working our way through Abraham for about three months. We're going to finish up with that today. And I want to, uh, before I do that, kind of give you a little teaser about the next sermon series that we're going to start next week. We're actually joining with a number of other churches in our area, and we're going to do a sermon series called 30 for 3. And it's going to be a sermon series on evangelism and on prayer. And the specific challenge that we start with is, is really asking you to pray. We're going to be asking you to pray for 30 days for three people who don't know Jesus. And, and so it, it's going to be the first part of that challenge. And we'll be looking at a series of sermons on this and on evangelism. Along with this, there are some devotionals that you can read. Um, they, they've been written up by various pastors in the area. There's some devotionals that you can read. Now, here's one of the tricky things. Those start on this coming Wednesday, okay? Those start on this coming Wednesday, kind of before the sermon series gets you ready for that. And then they'll be there every day for the, for the entire 30 days. If you want those devotionals, you can go to the website that's listed here. The information is in your bulletin. And again, you'll be able to get it. You can download the whole thing. You can get an email every day. Um, that's been helpful for many of us when we wake up in the morning. There's a, a, an email there that we can use to, um, to, to kind of study that and use that as our devotional. Uh, you can actually get it by text. It's shorter, um, but you can get it by text if you want to do that. But uh, again, it's, it's a cool thing for all of us to be reading, praying, studying together for this. 30 days of thinking about what God is, is doing and, and how we want God to reach out to those who do not know him. So back to Abraham, all right? Let's finish up with Abraham. We've been studying this now for three months, okay? We started this actually a little bit over three months ago. And during that time, just kind of for your awareness, Abraham has aged about 50 years, okay? Um, from when we started, he was probably 60, 65 when we started. Um, and uh, now he's, he's getting there, or actually 75, 65 or 70. And now he's getting up to 115, 120 years old. And, and so we've been following this. He's been walking with God this time. And now we come to what I'm going to call the final test, all right? And it is a challenge for each and every one of us. The whole story starts, and in order to understand where we are today, we've got to go back. And the whole story, story starts with God making three promises to Abraham. Abraham, all right? God comes to Abraham and he says, you know what? I will give you three things. First of all, you will have many descendants, okay? I promise you children. I promise you that blessing. You will have many descendants. And we've seen Ishmael, who was born when Abraham was 90, and then Isaac when he was 100. And, and we know that uh, Ishmael is at this point kind of out of the picture. He's in another area. Isaac is the child of promise. But God has fulfilled that promise. You will have many descendants. Your children will inherit the land. That was the second promise that God made. And, and he said, you know what? Your children will live here. But God has made it clear that that's going to be after slavery, okay? So that's 400 years down the road. That's kind of a tough one. Um, but it's going, to, it's going to take a long time for that one to come. And then the third one was that all creatures will be blessed through you, okay? All, all the nations will be blessed through you. The entire universe, the world will be blessed through you. All the nations will be blessed through you. And, and in some ways, we're still waiting on that one as well because ultimately it's through Jesus Christ that that comes and, and reaches its fulfillment. And again, through people coming to Christ today that people are blessed through Abraham's seed because we are Abraham's seed. So in some ways, we're, we're waiting on that one. We've seen times when Abraham has, has been a blessing to those around him. We've also seen times when he's brought illness and he's been a curse to those around him. So God promises those things and God's call is trust me, trust me. As we've worked through this, uh, we've we said there are kind of two, quick, two key questions. The, the first key question is this. It's, 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 will God be faithful? 
Will, will God keep his promises? And of course the answer is yes, but the key thing for us to notice, it's not in Abraham's way or in Abraham's time, okay? I, I promise you this, God will keep every promise he has made in Scripture. Unfortunately, he, he doesn't always do it the way we want him to. And he doesn't always do it when we want him to. And sometimes it can be a real struggle. So will God be faithful? The answer is yes. The other question is, will Abraham trust God? Will Abraham be faithful? Will Abraham follow? Okay. Sometimes the answer has been yes. We saw him leave his homeland. We saw him do that. We saw him fight and defeat kings in battle. We saw him trust when when Lot took the better land. Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is not so much. But what we come to today is what, like I say, I want to call the final test. The final test. After 50 years of walking with God, after 50 years of seeing God be faithful, is Abraham willing to love God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength? Is Abraham willing to give everything up to God? And of course, as we're asking this question about Abraham, we're asking it about ourselves. What we want to look at today, and I want to say this right up front, what we want to look at today is, is sort of like faith 401, all right? Faith, graduate level faith. There is a faith that saves us, and it says, I know Jesus Christ died for me, and we need that. That's essential. But God continually calls us to grow deeper. God continually calls, calls us to, to trust him more, to, to surrender more and more of ourselves to him, and to give more and more of ourselves to him, and to trust him with everything that we've got. And, and now Abraham, 50 years in, gets really the ultimate test, the ultimate test that there can be in Genesis 22. It starts with these words. <clears throat> Sometime later, God tested Abraham. Uh, sometime later. We, we, it's curious to think about when this is, okay? Some of you know this story, and, and you're wondering about that and so on. But, but for all of us, it's, it's probably as much as 10 to 15 years later. And what that means, and, and for me, this was really helpful as I kind of did the math on this, is Isaac is between 15 and 20 years old. As I've read this story, and you'll understand what I mean if, you haven't, if you're not familiar with the story, but as I've read this story, I've always kind of pictured Isaac as this 8-year-old as this relatively young kid, and, and, and having to go through this, it's no easier in some sense at 18. But at least it's, it's not, this, this story sometimes gets misused, and, 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 and parents beat up on their kids because of this story. That's not what's going on here. And part of it, I think, is understanding that Isaac is aware, okay? Isaac has a level of maturity here that's, that's pretty significant, all right? So it's, it's about, you know, 10 or 15 years after the last event that, that we read, and, and Isaac is 20 years old. Like I say, Abraham is then 120 or 115, somewhere in there. The last 10 or 15 years have been the best years of Abraham's life. Abraham's life has been so good. Abimelech, we talked about him last week. He has been blessing Abraham. He's been taking care of Abraham. Abraham's got his son and he's growing up, and let's just be honest about it. Uh, Hagar and Ishmael are out of the house, and that just takes away some of the struggle, even though, even though again, Abraham's heart broke when Ishmael left. But, but it was just easier, and I think Abraham enjoyed these years as much as he ever enjoyed anything, all right? And that's why it was, I think, such a shock what happens next. Again, one other thing to know, we know that this is a test from the beginning, but Abraham doesn't. So, sometime later, God tested Abraham, all right? God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, and, and just notice the repetition here, of, uh, uh, here and, and throughout the text. Take your son, your only son whom you love. Again, Ishmael's out of the picture. 
And God knows how much Abraham loved Isaac. God, God knows just how much Abraham absolutely, <coughs> excuse me, adores Isaac. And go to the region of Moriah, okay? Take your son and go to this place. We don't know exactly where Moriah was, though. A lot of Bible teachers believe, and I think that's probably true, that it's, it's, it's where Jerusalem later on was, okay? So take your son and go to this place. And then come the words that had to just, just take the wind out of his sails, just shock him, knock him to his knees. Sacrifice. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering. On a mountain I will show you. Say what? Abram, take the gift I gave to you, the gift you've enjoyed, the gift I've promised. Take your son, the one whom you love, the one who has been there, and then give him back to me. Will you do that? Will you give him back to me? Will you? And, 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 and we just have to look at it and we say, what is going on here? I mean, it's interesting. We're not told anything about what Abraham feels. We're only told what he does. And, and, and I think the reason for that is it is just so deep. You can't put it into words. Can you imagine having this sense that God wants your child back, that God wants to, to, to have you give him your child back and wants you to kill him. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just unbelievable, and it's shocking. And, it's, and, and, and again, that's why I think the author tells us this is a test from the beginning, okay? So why, why does God do this? What, what's going on here? A couple of things it's not, because I think it's really important. This is not because God demands child sacrifice. The, the Old Testament is clear. God does not do that. There were cultures around that did that, that said, God, I'm going to show you how much I love you, and I want you to bless me, so I'm going to sacrifice my child to Molech or some of the other gods in that area. And they said, this is just going to show you how much. God says, I find that abhorrent. I find that abhorrent. And, 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 and so it's a little bit of a struggle for us. And again, God is bigger than us, so we don't have to understand everything. But, but it's not because God demands child sacrifice. If you hear a voice and you say it's God telling you, it's not. Okay, God is clearly on that. And, and then it's not because uh, that, that God is, is necessarily so jealous, is insanely jealous of how much Abraham loves Isaac. Sometimes I think we read this kind of a story, and I've heard this kind of that way of saying, well, God was just worried that Abraham loved Isaac more than him, so he had to kind of check that out. And, and God kind of becomes this insane, insecure God. No, God, God is not insecure. God is not. He's jealous, but he's jealous because he knows we work best when we have, give him our whole hearts and soul and mind and strength. So why? I think the answer is because God wants to know this is a test. And, and, and just stop right there and think about something with me because a, a lot of us were raised in, which I think is a correct theology, but, but we've been raised knowing that God knows everything. <laughs> Right? God knows the end from the beginning. God knows everything. Well, then why does he want to know? <laughs> Doesn't he already know how this is all going to go? And somehow we have to recognize that, that we can't put God in categories. Because on the one hand, God knows everything. On the other hand, God's going to say, now I know. At the end of this story, God's going to say, I've learned something. And somehow, they're, again, God knows everything. But yet somehow he learns something here about Abraham's heart. That's what God wants to know. God interacts with us. And, and again, I want to be careful because I do believe God knows everything. God is sovereign. But somehow it also seems really clear from the text that God is saying, I want to know just how deep Abraham's faith goes. I want to know, will Abraham trust me? Will he trust me when, with his most precious possession? He knows how much he loves Isaac. 
Isaac is his world. Will God, will Abraham trust me? Will he, will he give him back to me? The fact of the matter is, the Bible makes clear, we're, we're called to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, above everything else. And, and, and one of the things we see throughout Scripture is that whatever is number two has the possibility of replacing God. And so think about what is your most treasured possession. Is it your kid? Is it your marriage? Is it your reputation? And God says, will you give that up for me? Will you trust that with me? Will you hand that over to me? Will you give me your most precious possession? Even when I ask for that, will you still trust me? Will you trust me even when there are no benefits? Uh, Even when there are no benefits, think about that again. At one level, and and this is the same challenge for those of you who are familiar with the story of Job. At at one level, you know, God comes to Abraham and he says, I'm going to give you these things, right? I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you descendants. I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to do this stuff for you. The world's going to be blessed through you. God wants to know, but if I don't give you any of that, if, if I don't do that for you, will you still love me? Will you still Surrender yourself to me. Will you still trust me with everything you've got? You, you see, in some ways, God wants to know. Uh, does, does Abraham know that the real gift is God? One of the ways to look at this, and, 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 and I think this is true, you know, we come to God and we make our prayers, okay? And we say, God, we need this. God, we pray for this. And that's good, and that's okay, and that's, that's an important part of it. But, but in some ways, you know what we are? We're like going to God and asking for pennies, Say, God, I need these pennies, I need these pennies. And God says, but do you understand I'm the treasure? Do you understand I'm the one that you need more than the pennies? Do you understand I am the one who who can take care of you? You see, we settle for pennies when it's really God that we need. Psalm 23, right? It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. doesn't mean the psalmist had everything he ever needed. doesn't mean that he was rich and, and, and wealthy and all that stuff. What it means is God never took himself away. And, and the psalmist had learned, David had learned what Abraham learns by the end of his life to say, God, you will not keep you from me. And so what I need is you will, we follow God even when there are no benefits. And, and, and the third part of the question, I think, is will we trust God? Will Abraham trust God even when it doesn't make sense? Even when God seems to be against us, even God wants to know. Will you trust when you can't see me? Will you trust when it all seems upside down? Will you trust when you cannot understand? I mean, this is, like I say, faith 401. This is so difficult. This is so challenging. But this is ultimately where God wants us to be. And again, not for his sake, but for our sake. Because it is when we put ourselves more and more in God's hands, when we surrender, we say, God, no matter what, you are God. And no matter what happens, I will trust you. Even in the darkness, even in the place of pain and struggling, I will trust that you will provide. One of the things we need to understand from this story, and it's an important lesson for us, is is that the God we follow, the God of the Bible, is not safe, okay? The God we follow is not safe. And that's important for us to remember because a lot of the health and wealth folks kind of preach a very safe God. We want a safe God. I would rather have a God who is safe. And by that, I mean a God that I can understand. A God who does what makes sense to me. A God who can explain it to me, right? So often we feel like, if I can understand this, and so I want God to be able to say, Ron, this is why I'm doing this. This is what's going to be happening as a result of this. A God we can understand. A a God who gives us what we want. A a God who is safe and who who takes care of us. And a God who will never let us feel pain. 
And, and there are a lot of people who say, well, if you really know Jesus Christ, that's going to be what your life is like because God is safe. I want to suggest this morning that one of the key things this story teaches us is that God loves us too much to be safe. God loves me too much to give me what I want because you know what I want is not the right stuff. And I don't want God to give me what I want. I mean, on the one hand, I do. But what I really want God to give me is what I need. What I really want God to give me is, is himself. What I really want God to do is not leave me where I am. God loves me too much to let me just stay with pennies when he wants to give me himself. And, and, and we've got to recognize, again, that is an act of God's love. An act of God's love to invite us into deeper and deeper discipleship. Some of you are familiar, my favorite picture of God not being safe comes from C.S. Lewis in the Narnia Chronicles. Very first book, Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe. It's a story about Narnia, this amazing land where the animals talk and, and everything is, is just really cool and, and so on. And, and, and in the first book, the, the wicked queen, the wicked witch, the white witch is in charge. And Narnia is under her spell and it's under her control. And, and at this point in the story, Peter and, and Susan and Lucy are meeting with the beavers. They're in their home underneath the dam, which would be really fun. But they're in their home with the beavers, and they're talking with the beavers. And the beavers are part of the resistance. And the beavers keep talking about Aslan. And the beavers keep saying, when Aslan comes, it's going to be right. When Aslan comes, it's going to be great. When Aslan comes, the, the wicked queen will be removed. Lucy wants to know more about Aslan because she's not sure who he is. And so she asks this question, is he a man, asked Lucy. Mr. Beaver responds, Aslan, a man. Certainly, Mr. said Mr. Beaver sternly. Certainly not. I tell you, he is the king of the wood and the son of the great emperor beyond the sea. Don't you know who is the king of beasts? Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Who said Susan, the older sister? I, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? Is he tame? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Mrs. Beaver responds in a wonderful day. That, that you will, dearie, and, and no mistake, said Mrs. Beaver. If there is anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or just silly. They are either braver than most. And Lucy says, then he isn't safe. And Mr. Beaver, safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. The Lion of Judah, Jesus Christ, is not safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And that is the true God. We've got to understand, friends, we don't want a God who is safe, ultimately. I mean, it's nice, it's more comfortable for us. But ultimately, I want a God who's not going to leave me the way I am. Ultimately, I want a God who's going to bring me himself. Ultimately, I want a God who's going to bring me to that place of, of knowing him fully. And the question of the story is, will we trust that God is good even when he is not safe. That is deep faith, friends. That is where we are called to go. That's the challenge. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Again, no reaction, emotional. We're not told about it, but it was certainly there. But obedience. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. All right, so it's Abraham, Isaac, two servants and a donkey. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. Imagine that journey, going to sacrifice your son. Don't know how far away it was. You know, people say, well, it's three days travel because on the third day, Abraham saw it. But if I were him, I'm walking as slow as I possibly can. 
Every step is agony. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Just a minute. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. I thought that Abraham was going to go sacrifice Isaac. Why doesn't he say, we'll worship, and then I'll come back to you? Why does he say it this way? Why does he say, we will come back? In fact, again, it's not clear totally, but there are three possibilities, and, and the third one is the one I'm going to suggest is right. Part of this, and it's possible, that, that it's just a very practical thing. I mean, he knows he has to say this, that we'll come back, otherwise the servants are going to try to stop him, right? Um, we're going to up, and, and then I'm coming back. And Isaac is going to go, time out, Dad, what do you mean you're coming back, not us? We're coming back, right? Uh, and the servants are really like, dude, you can't do that. Sarah will kill us. I mean, they, you, you just, they, you know, and, and, but that's not likely. I, I mean, that, that's just... Abraham is full of faith and, and, and so on in this. And, and maybe he really doesn't plan on sacrificing Isaac, but again, we're going to see that he does. What it is, I think, is that he deeply trusts that somehow God will make things okay. That Abraham has seen in and out, day after day, that God will make things okay. It doesn't mean Abraham wasn't in agony, but he says, somehow I know God has promised me this son, and somehow it will happen. And so even though it's just, I don't know, I will, I will, if I slay him, I know God can raise him from the dead. That's what the author of Hebrews says. So Abram took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. Again, the, the donkey, the two servants are left behind. He takes the wood and he puts it on Isaac's shoulder, okay? And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but, but where is the lamb? Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And the next words are words of deep faith. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Again, God himself will provide the lamb. God himself will provide the lamb. In, in a sense, Abraham might be thinking, he already did, it's you because God gave me that lamb. But somehow I know this, God himself will provide. And that's at the heart of what Abraham has learned in the midst of not understanding anything. I will still, in my tears and pain, and again, don't hear me saying loss is not loss, but evil is evil and pain is pain. But in the middle of it, we can be sure that God will provide. So when they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there, stone by stone. The story slows down. And then he arranged the wood on it. And he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And, and again, Isaac is 15, 17 years old. Isaac knows what's happening. But Isaac is saying, Dad, I trust you. I trust you. Then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. And I cannot help but imagine in that moment what was going through Abraham's head. I can't do this. The Lord will provide. God, what are you thinking? God, what are you thinking? The Lord will provide. God, what about the promises? You said you were going to bless the world through this one. God, I don't understand this. Abraham saying to himself, the Lord will provide. And Abraham is there. And just before he plunges the knife into his son, the angel of the Lord calls out, 
The angel of the Lord called out from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abram looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. And God goes on to say, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. Uh, Again, we are saved by grace, but God wants to know whether he has our hearts. This is so challenging. What about us? Will we trust God? Will we trust God with our most treasured possession, with our most prized possession? Will we we say, God, I know that you will provide. God, I know that you can do this. Will we trust God even when there are no benefits? Because, God, I know what I need is you. God, I don't understand it. And again, it's not that it hurts and there are so many questions, but, but when there are no benefits, I will still trust you, God. And again, will we... Well, we trust God even when it doesn't make sense. Some of you know what that's like, even when it seems God himself is against us. Some of you have lost children. Some of you have, have just experienced such deep brokenness. I'm not asking to say you can understand it. I'm not asking you to say God will be able to explain it to you. I'm not asking you to say that's good, but I am asking you to say God is still in control, and I will trust his heart, and I will trust him and I will not walk away from him because I got nowhere else to turn. Abraham, after 50 years, could say that, and he gave God everything. It's a goal for most of us. I, maybe some of you are there. For most of us, it's a goal. And one of the things to recognize, I think, is that we have an advantage over Abraham. Think about this. In, in saying God will provide, we have an advantage over Abraham because we've seen another story, the most important story of another father who led his son, his only son whom he loved, remember that, his only son whom he loved, up a hill. The wood was on that son's back as well, the wood of the cross. And the father in heaven watched him go, and as his son was nailed to that cross and lifted up, the father watched on. Martin Luther read this story to his kids one time, and his daughter Katie said, Dad, God would never allow somebody to kill their son. And Luther said, but he did. Himself. No one stopped it. And we say, God, if you've done that, I will trust you to take care of me. And the words of Abraham have become prophetic. God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. God himself will provide the lamb. Interesting, actually, if we go to the Hebrew on this one, because the, the word order in, in, the new, in the King James preserves this. All right, himself will provide the lamb. In, in the Hebrew, the order is actually God will provide himself the lamb. God will provide himself the lamb. Do you know how much God loves you? 
The Apostle Paul in Romans 8, verse 32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? The fact is, friends, he, he, he gave up his son. I don't understand a lot of what God does. I don't think I ever will. There are questions and pains and hurts, and I, and I weep over the brokenness of this world, but I know this, God is still the provider. And as we close up on Abraham here, I think the most important lesson Abraham learned is the one that, that we need to close with, and that is that the Lord will provide. That the Lord will provide. We weep, but we say, God, I will trust you. It seems like you slay me, though it seems like you hurt me. We're going to close. Steve's going to come up and, and sing a song called Though He Slay Me, written by a, a, a guy who's father passed away and listening to his mom grieve so I'm going to pray and then Steve's going to come up and I just want you to listen to that song the words should be projected on the screen and 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 say God help me to help me to know that even though it feels right now like you are against me it feels like you weren't there when I was raped or whatever it is God help me to know that you are enough let's pray together father this level of faith is tough because you've given us a good world and you, and we know someday you give us that back, but help us to seek you first, to seek your kingdom first. Father, teach us to trust you. Lord, I pray for anybody right now who is just at that place of feeling such deep pain, of feeling so abandoned that they can know that even in that place of deepest darkness, we don't understand it, but you are there and you are enough. We pray this in your son who is the great name of your son, who is the gift that shows us just how far you will go. Jesus, amen.